to the Wild Feather Podcast. I'm Brooke Dunwell, serial entrepreneur, sponge for life, and lover of people. Join me as we uncover the stories of courageous female entrepreneurs, founders, and investors pushing beyond limitless boundaries. Let's explore their creative journeys and pursuits to greatness. These two co-founders have a great story. They met and united on Instagram by sharing common interests. Turns out they have more in common than they thought. They're both product managers, but they have very different backgrounds and strengths, which makes this duo strong in talent and success. Tally came up with the idea for Blink, an audio blind speeding date app, while she was attending a blackout restaurant. She convinced Laura to join the party, and now they are on a mission to flip the script in traditional dating. They're so fun, smart, and savvy. Let's take a ride down their journey. Thanks, Laura and Tally, for joining us on the Wild Feather. We're super excited to have you. I know it's been kind of um, a hot mess trying to sort out our schedules, but I'm so grateful you're finally here. Yeah, yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Yay. Thank you for having us. Of course. Of course. So you guys have a fun story. I love the way that you guys met. Um, and I would love to hear how you guys merged together and started, well, became founders. I guess I should start there because you guys have both different backgrounds. We do have very different backgrounds. So I I guess I'll, I'll share a little bit about that. I'm a lawyer turned product manager. Um, and Laura is also a product manager, but came to it, uh, through different means. Um, but yeah, we actually, we met on Instagram and, uh, you know, our friendship started because we both have black and tan Chivas and Laura was living in Boston. I was living in New York. We met a couple times and Laura visited New York. Um, and then we both happened to move to LA right around the same time and started hanging out and became real life friends. Uh, and in terms of how our paths crossed and we started working together, I had started working on Blink and, you know, I remember sharing a lot with Laura about Blink and the experience. And she always had such a wealth of knowledge and insight and like incredible suggestions. And I just really loved being able to talk to her about it. And so one day I invited her to join me and we did it a little bit of a trial period. And I could tell pretty quickly that I was into it, but I was like, I'm going to give her more time. I don't want to rush it. I don't want to be like, okay, it's been a week. Let's jump in. Um, It it worked out. Uh, I don't know how she felt that early on, but I was pretty comfortable and happy pretty early on. And yeah, I feel like I found my co-founder Penguin. That's awesome. Well, quick question for you. How is it going from lawyer to product? That's a unique switch. It has been incredible. To be honest, I am so happy I took the leap. I went first from um, being a lawyer to legal operations and then from that to product management. Um, And I have never looked back. Um, It was scary at the time because I didn't know what people would say or what people would think. And I was taking a huge pay cut and didn't know what I was getting into. But I knew that I was unhappy as a lawyer and that there was only really room to go up from there. And I knew if I made the leap once and didn't like what I did next, I can make the leap again. And to be honest, I went from legal ops to product management, not that I didn't like legal ops, but it was just a natural progression. Um, And so I think it's just really been empowering to realize, you know, if you're unhappy, you can take action and change it and you don't have to be trapped. Um, Yeah. Like I said, I've never looked back. I'm I'm so much happier for it. And I'm certain that legal background comes in handy when it comes to startups. Sometimes. (laughs) Uh, Better than I am. Laura did all of that. Let's talk about 
let's talk about Laura because you kind of stumbled into product management as well, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. So I worked in operations. My background was really on trying to save the environment uh, one piece of waste at a time. Uh, and so that was kind of my ethos as a human. That was what I went to school for, or uh, economics really, but mostly around um, resource economics. And so I had initially started working in operations for a hazardous waste disposal firm because I was like, I care about the end life cycle of products. Uh, and then someone who worked in uh, came in as the director of technology at my at that company that I was working for was like, "Hey, have you ever heard of product management? I think you'd be really good at it." And I looked at him like he had ten heads. I was like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." Uh, and at this point, now that was eight years ago that I was first introduced to it, uh, and then I very quickly fell in love with it. Uh, and so it was very interesting to go from being in operations to being in product. There's a lot of similarities and overlap. Because there's a lot of operational efficiency that needs to go into how you operate as a product manager, uh, but it's not necessarily uh, apples to apples. Um, and especially coming from like a very uh, traditional, old school type of environment that was very adverse to using technology to being like, hey, let me actually try to build some stuff, which is pretty cool. That's super cool. Okay, so let's talk about the blind date. Is that right? Blink date. Blink date. Blind date. It's blink blind date, right? It's like, yeah. So let's talk about that because I think where you came up with this idea is fascinating within itself. Like the experience that you had. Yeah. Uh, I think it's super cool. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I uh, came up with the idea for Blink after eating at a blackout restaurant many years ago. And I was, it's complete darkness. You can't see anything. You can't see the hand in front of your face. And it was a communal dining experience. So I was seated with total strangers and we started chatting and had an amazing conversation. And after the dinner, we left the restaurant and I saw them for the first time. And I realized that had I seen them beforehand, I would have thought that we didn't have a lot of in common. And I would have been wrong and it would have been such a shame. And this kind of sparked this thought, like, what if people could get to know one another without knowing what they looked like first? Would they make more meaningful connections rather than, you know, writing people off based on assumptions that turn out to be false uh, or wrong? And so uh, the idea for Blink has been kind of ruminating in my brain for a long, long time. And right before the pandemic, uh, decided to kind of take the leap and wanted to do live blind speed dating. And then the pandemic hit. And obviously, uh, live events were no longer um, on the menu. And so pivoted and started working on Blink Date as an app. Um, so yeah, that's that's the idea and how we got to where we are now. That's super cool. Okay, now where are you guys at right now in the process? Yeah, so in the process right now, we have our beta pretty much almost on the brink of being ready to go. So depending on when people are listening to this, it may or may not be live. Uh, and so, yeah, we're pretty far along on that side of things. And we're really hoping soon that we can, uh, you know, continue building, uh, continue. We also have our own podcast, a proof of concept podcast called Date in the Blink. Uh, so if, if awesome. people are super eager and they really can't wait, they can uh, go to, you can actually just go to dateinablink.com and sign up there to participate, or you can go to listen to some of the episodes that are already there if you're you know, super eager about, about trying it out. Um, and yeah, and we are also hoping to do some fundraising in the fall so that we can uh, continue to build out a team. That's awesome. Fantastic. Okay, so how does it work? How does, so someone signs up and then what? 
do they have like an avatar or something or what kind of info do you get at first and how do you match? Like, how does it all work? Yeah. Laura, do you want to take this or should I? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, so it's, <laughs> yeah, so essentially you put in very basic information. So other apps, you have to fill out these very involved profiles. On ours, it can take you less than a minute. Uh, and the idea is based on very basic parameters. Uh, our algorithm will actually match you with people that meet uh, the basics that you're looking for, which is generally just your age, uh, sexual orientation, sexual preference, and location. Uh, and then you answer very uh, quick lifestyle questions about yourself, but the lifestyle questions don't actually allow you to filter out who you talk to. And then from there, you go on your 10-minute speed dates. And so you schedule time. Uh, again, our app will uh, schedule you to meet with other people. And then you have your 10-minute date. Uh, and then after that 10 minutes, you go into what we call your evaluation. Haha, ha, we really like puns here at Blank. Yeah, I like uh, it. I like yeah. it. Um, and then uh, you say how it went. And so you can leave some notes to yourself. You can say uh, it's uh, wink. What is it? Wink, think, sink. That's what it is. Uh, and ah. so winking is, you know, I like them. Thinking is, hmm, I have to think about it. And then sinking is saying, maybe not right now. Uh, and then mm -hmm. if you have positive feedback on the date, then you move on to glances. The glances is the part that is uh, kind of our secret sauce and a little bit different from what you might expect on other apps, because you see three anonymized profiles, but there are three different people. And so based on the conversation you just had, the idea is to challenge your own biases and assumptions and say, here are three different people based on the conversation that I just had. Would I say yes, no, or maybe to any, all or none of these uh, and so you rate each of them individually. And then if you have positive feedback on both of those and the other person has positive feedback on you as well, then you move into more traditional uh, in-app messaging. And then after that five minutes, then you can keep, because it's speed dating, you can go on another date immediately after. Ah, okay. And, just and to, then, yeah, go ahead. Just to add one note, like about our, our secret sauce, the glances, um, you know, psychologically, people are far more willing to continue a conversation with someone if they if, or they're more interested in seeing someone. They're more attracted to someone if they had an amazing conversation with them. So if you look at a traditional dating app side by side with Blink, you're swiping, having no idea uh, about who someone is on a traditional dating app. Whereas with Blink, you get to have a conversation first and people are more forgiving if they had an amazing conversation with someone about, you know, the hairstyle or if they don't like their shoe, the person's shoes and all of those things. And so you're more likely to say yes to someone if you had an amazing conversation. Uh, and so you're more likely probably to find someone that you're compatible with and match with ultimately. Um, so just to kind of show what the, the experience compares to, um, you know, when you're looking yeah. at a traditional app. Do you set the parameters of distance? Yes. Or, okay. The individual is does. one of the, the basics that, that we've used to, to match folks. And so they're having this conversation via audio through the app? Correct. Yes. Okay. Is it recorded? No. <laughs> If you do uh, date in a blank, the podcast version, then yes, it is recorded, but uh, in app, it's not. That would be fascinating to listen to some of those conversations. Uh, that's just a side note. That sounds super cool. I think it sounds a lot of fun and uh, definitely takes away the judgmental component, I guess, of dating. You get to see, I guess, meet people for who they are, right? I mean, initially, right? Yeah. I mean, what happens in those glances if they, like, I don't know how they rate them, but if their rating is not positive on the glances, then, then does it's it end not there? A match. 
No, I I mean, we don't Ah, pretend love is blind. We know that it isn't, which is why we do include the glances. But we do want to kind of really, you know, acknowledge that that people become more attractive to us as we become more connected to us and vice versa. People become less attractive to us if we don't connect with them. So for example, you know, psychology shows that people are more willing to ignore red flags from people they're really attracted to. And that's not great either. You know, we don't want to spend months with someone that we don't actually have a connection with just because, you know, maybe some people do, but if you're looking for a long-term lifetime partner, that probably isn't how you want to go about your dating and traditional dating apps. You know, you see a really attractive person, you match, like you're not necessarily going to know that they're not for you for some time. And you're able to filter that person out immediately through our process because you have a conversation with them. And if you don't drive, it doesn't matter how, how attractive they are. Yeah. So what are some obstacles that you guys have faced? uh, Or what are some challenges that you've encountered along the way? Any big challenges that you've had to overcome? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say, do you mean personally or as a, a company? It can be either one. Yeah, because so the entrepreneur journey is, I think, a bag of all of personal and <laughs> and business wise. Right, you start learning who you really are. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'll share a personal one first, and then I can share a company one. Um, you know, I, before Laura joined Blink, I was working with someone else, and I think co-founder and business relationships are sort of like dating and um, figuring out whether someone's a good fit for you is is you know a process, and it's also really hard when you kind of recognize when something isn't a good fit, and you have to go through the process of separating. And for me personally, that was a difficult journey. Um, it was a lot it involved a lot of self doubt, a lot of you know, am I doing something wrong? Should I be doing something differently? You know, do I need to communicate more or less? Like, what am I doing wrong? And like, again, with dating, you can do that same process where you're sort of self-questioning. And at the end of the day, it just, you know, I think like, as we say, there are millions of people on the planet and we're not meant to match with everyone. And so going through that separation was really hard, but I'm really grateful because at the end of the day, it brought Laura and I together um, because we started working together afterwards. And so I think it worked out and it was painful when I was going through it. But, uh, you know, it's, I think being a founder can be a painful journey. I think if you don't go through some challenges, you're probably not doing it right. Right. Um, Right. And then choose your co-founder wisely. Yes. (laughs) And I think no matter what, even if it's someone you've worked with before, even if it's someone you were friends with for years, I think it's really important when you're trying to found a company, like it's a different type of beast. And so I think doing a trial period is really valuable for both parties because, you know, you want to be able to say this isn't working for me without hurting anyone's feelings. And if you set it up as a trial period, it's like it sets that context and that tone um, so that either of you can say it's not working. So I would recommend that for anyone who's who's considering going into a co-founder relationship. Certainly. Um, Certainly. But yeah, that's that's the personal one. Laura, I don't know if you have anything to add, but we can also talk about you know, company challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing that I'll add that's an obstacle is uh, both Tali and myself, we have day jobs on top of working on Blink. Uh, And so that's something that uh, I I don't think enough people really talk about uh, the type of founders that need to still hold down a day job while they're trying to build something new and exciting. And there's actually a lot of really negative rhetoric in the startup community around that, where, uh, you know, VCs, incubators, accelerators, they don't take you seriously. 
uh, if you're not working on something full time or if you don't have a team member that's working on what you're building full time. And that really disadvantages uh, a lot of really underrepresented groups, in particular, uh, if you have um, women, people of color. Uh, anyone who doesn't come from, you know, uh, massive deep pockets, which is, I think, the right. overall majority of people. And so you end up only having a very small but privileged class that can get the type of coverage and press and uh, investment and belief from a lot of these institutional uh, places. And so mm -hmm. that's something that is really tough for Tali and myself because we absolutely love working on Blink and we're super passionate about it. And we spend, you know, every waking hour that we're not, you know, doing our day jobs, uh, we are pretty much working on Blink. And so it's one of those things where uh, it just seems really miss, or there's a lot of misfortune that I feel on that front because it, it can be taken a little bit less uh, seriously. And so that's something that uh, is a big obstacle. And so for people who are concerned about it, there are ways to do it. And I know Italian, and I have lots of tips, tricks and advice on that front. Um, and yeah, but I'd say that's also a big kind of personal front uh, of a challenge that people will face, but don't really talk about that much. Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree with you. I remember when I was um, trying to go into an accelerator or funding, whatever the case may be, I was working full time too. And they all just act like you can quit your job and move to California. And yeah. I'm like, I've got a kid. <laughs> I have to pay bills. I have the house to live. Like, how do you guys expect somebody just to like drop everything and be that full time just to get maybe $25,000? I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just not realistic, at least not yeah. for working people. Right. I totally yeah. agree. I yeah. totally agree. So I'm interested because I was going to one of the questions I was going to ask you guys is what advice would you give others? But you said you had some tips and tricks. So let's just feed off that. What are your tips and tricks? Because <laughs> I'm certain that there are a ton of people out there I that mean, are facing this situation. My biggest tip and trick is break everything into tasks, like smaller pieces. Like for me, it was easy to say, I want to build a dating app. Okay, great. But that involves so much. Like there's the legal component of starting a company and figuring out the right corporate structure. There's the component of who am I going to work with, like design wise and engineering wise, because I'm not technical. There's marketing. Okay, what's our plan to actually like share this with people? What sort of stuff? And that's overwhelming the moment you start thinking about all of that. The way that I handle it is basically categorize and start comp compartmentalizing. Like if it's, okay, I want to create a TikTok account. It's okay. Figure out your handle, like what's available, create the account, look at what other apps are doing, start creating a plan to create our own and then create a schedule. And so that's like five pieces of like, you know, launching a TikTok. And so, um, I think for me, that's, that's my biggest tip, like break things into smaller pieces so that you don't get overwhelmed and then just don't do anything. Um, right. Laura, I don't know if you have a tip. Yeah. What like are your yeah, yeah. So one good. of my big, yeah, one of my big tips when you're trying to balance and juggle a lot of things is uh, blocking time up on your calendar and being really mindful of that. So that's kind of tip number one. Uh, and tip number two is also uh, if you are working a day job and if you are working, especially if you currently work in tech, generally when you sign the offer letter for where you're working for your day job, you have some type of non-compete, IP, those sorts of things like signing over rights to the company. And so you just want to make sure that you disclose what you're working on to your employer, uh, just oh. as someone who's in HR, because uh, I've actually known people who didn't do that and then ended up getting sued later by the company that they were working for. 
um, even though what they were working on wasn't directly related to what they were mainly working on. And then I've also had other people who it was directly in competition with what their employer was doing. But then I've also known other people who went on to create directly competitive businesses, but because that wasn't in their or because they had disclosed it, they ended up not having any problems down the line and creating essentially a spinoff of a main company. Um, mm-hmm. And so for people, just make sure you know your rights uh, and you know, don't take this as legal advice or anything like that, but just make sure that you uh, do your own due diligence and that you don't end up shooting yourself in the foot uh, for something that you're trying to get off the ground and that you're really excited about. So it's a little more practical. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice. Uh, I think a lot of people may not even think about that if they're just starting a company and they work at a company, right? Yeah. Um, would you, after, if you've already worked there and then you think of the idea, do you think it's appropriate for them to go and disclose that information? Um, yeah. So after uh, they've signed, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of like what happened at my, my current day job is I disclosed another project I was working on. And then I just uh, connected with my HR department counterparts. And I said, Hey, I need to add something to my, um, my, uh, that initial signed document. Uh, and they were like, yeah, it's not a problem. So I have a paper trail showing that I've confirmed that this is not a problem and that this is not ah. uh, something that's going to conflict. So if you're comfortable talking to your manager, that's something you can definitely do. But if you're not and you're worried that they might think that it jeopardizes your position at the company, uh, you can talk to your HR counterpart. I know a lot of people say, hey, your HR counterpart is not like, you know, they're there to protect the company, not you. Um, but there mm-hmm. are some people in the company that they can help you navigate through that and say, oh, you can work on that or you can't work on that. For example, I know a lot of people who work at places like Amazon. Uh, they don't let you work on any side projects while you're working there. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. Now, are you guys raising funding right now? We are. Soon? Uh, yeah, we will be or very soon. <laughs> yeah, so we're currently okay. planning right now. We're hoping to start like more formally fundraising in October. Okay. And are you looking for VC, angel, or are you doing crowdfunding? A mixture of angel and VC. Gotcha. Awesome. So how is that going? Like, are you putting together pitch decks and all that fun stuff? (laughs) Yes. That's that's time consuming, eh? Yeah, we're making various versions. We're meeting with people and kind of showing them um, what we have, getting feedback, integrating it. We're going through that process um, now. Yeah. Ah, that I wish you the best. That's awesome. I just know how uh, it feels like it's a constant, at least when I did it, it feels like the deck constantly changes. Have you guys found that? Like yes. each step um, of the way? We have many versions of it at this yeah. point. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yep. So how can we help you guys? What can we do for you guys? Yeah. I mean, for folks listening, if you are, uh, you know, looking for someone um, and or, you know, someone who might be, then sign up for our wait list or sign up for the app. If you know, depending on when you're listening to this um, and let us know what you think. You know, it's it's a small team and we're really, really invested in making the product as good as it can be. So don't hesitate to, to email us. There's a contact uh, button on the settings page. Um, reach out to us um, and also listen to our podcast if you're interested and kind of learning more about what audio only dating can be like and getting to know someone through that medium. It's kind of amazing how deep you can go within 10 minutes just through, you know, a phone call essentially. Um, so check it out and share with people. Um, you know, I think that's, that's my biggest, you know, how, how can you help spread the word? Spread the word. Now, 
Is there a certain region that you're focused on when you launch? Are you covering the whole U.S., the whole world? Yes, we're we're starting. Oh, sorry. Uh, Yeah, so we're starting with Los Angeles, and then we're going to quickly move into New York. Uh, Then we're going to expand to the U.S. Eventually, we're excited to be worldwide, but not yet. Okay, so all the single ladies sign up in Los Angeles, right? (laughs) Yes. All the the single men. Okay, cool. So Los Angeles, New York, and then beyond from there. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. And the podcast, just one more time, what's the name of it for our listeners? Date in a Blink. Date in a Blink. Love it. All right, cool. So you guys need single folks to sign up and um, podcast listeners. Yeah. I think we can do that. Is there anything else that we can help you with? Yeah, and I'd say probably one thing some is, investors. You guys want yes, some interest yeah, in investors? Yeah, whether you're single or not, if you have anyone in your network that is an investor that would like to talk to us, that you'd want to put us in contact with, we'd love that. Uh, and then also, if there's anyone who is themselves a relationship in relationship psychology or someone who's really into kind of the behavioral psychology, we're also looking for people in that space as well as uh, micro influencers, kind of in the love and dating space. Ooh. Okay, so behavior psychology and micro influencers. Mm-hmm. Now, you guys, quick question, and then I know we are limited on time, but um, you mentioned that you have future plans, right? So it's not going to just stop at dating. Like you guys have a we vision, have big dreams, yes, big dreams. I love it. Uh, okay, so first goal is just to get this launched and off the ground and then we're going to see more amazingness coming from you ladies yes keep an eye out yeah awesome we'll have to have you on here again you'll just be like the repeated guest every time you launch a new product yeah absolutely (laughs) we love that (laughs) (laughs) awesome okay well i so appreciate i'm making notes i so appreciate your time guys and i hope you have a fantastic day and keep me posted let me know when it's official and we'll share that with our network and um yeah i wish you guys the best it's fantastic thank you thank you so so much brooke all right thanks for your time have a good one thank you so much you too Bye. bye bye Thank you for listening to The Wild Feather. Be authentic, be limitless, and love yourself.